0: This is the next episode of Talkin' Real, the podcast with your host, A.
1: Hey, and I'm G.
0: And we're going to be talking about Home Alone 1 and 2 today to kick off our Christmas-themed movies for December.
1: Dude, I am stoked to be talking about Home Alone 1 and 2. And just to say, I know we're talking about 1 and 2, but dude, the third one was my jam when I was a kid. I literally watched that year round. I know it doesn't count because it doesn't have McCully Culkin in it. I just want to make that quick note, um, but I do not want to detract from the awesomeness that is Home Alone 1 and 2.
0: I mean, John Hughes wrote 1 and 2, and you know him from, you know, the Brat Pack movies and Mm -hmm. Uncle Buck and pretty much any movie that...
1: He made that 80s magic.
0: Yeah, so he wrote 1 and 2, and he also wrote 3. So maybe that's why you like it so much. Starting when I, you know, I like to talk about context first when I look Mm -hmm. at movies, but when I started to do the research for the concept for this, it was difficult because it was like, okay, let's look at the history of Christmas
1: movies, period. Oh, man, that's a dark hole.
0: Yeah, and I was like, it, it branched off into the history of Christmas, and then it was like it just was a lot of research. I should have quit halfway through it, but I kept going and pushing through it, and I was like, I can't package this. This is like not... So I, I I scrapped all that, and I was like, okay, let's not go really specific, but go more general. So right, right. what would you expect from a Christmas movie is the context of when we're looking at holiday movies for anything, really. You know, um, I think holiday or Christmas-themed movies have a lot of flexibility because one thing that is fixed is the setting. I mean, to me, you can throw up a Christmas tree, throw up some lights and snow, and I'd call it a Christmas movie.
1: Man, that is definitely the case with Home Alone 1 and 2. Uh, We see that there is nothing that would make it a Christmas movie other than the setting, other than it being Christmas. And I've noticed that with the way that the movie goes, even for the time, I think the reason Home Alone 1 and 2 stuck out as being such standout Christmas movies is because it didn't follow the normal script. It didn't follow so the normal the formula. the normal
0: script and normal formula for you've had for a holiday movie, some type of miracle, Santa Claus delivering gifts, Frosty the Snowman.
1: Somebody becoming Santa Claus.
0: <laughs> you know, some, uh, Frosty the Snowman, you know, uh, the magic of Christmas, the spirit of Christmas. Yep you know, you had an idea of what a Christmas movie was. And with Home Alone, that brings me to the concept. I know we kind of brushed over context because I I feel like it's kind of hard to have context for this. I mean, you can go technical, and there's the idea that you wouldn't have Home Alone if not for Uncle Buck because, you mm-hmm. know, John Hughes had that, and um, which led to Home Alone. But, you know... I'm not really one to talk about production notes so much. I mean, there are some production notes. I feel like that advances story, but that one's like, I was like, eh, let's just go. So going more towards the concept. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: What the concept here? You have a holiday movie with an eight-year-old kid that's alone for Christmas. We left him alone by accident. I, I had not. I don't think we've seen a movie like that.
1: I don't think there was one. I do not think there was one. And I, I think you're kind of right. I don't know if it could have existed without the Uncle Buck, because it seems like just in the process of making, it's something that to me seems something, it's it's way out of left field. Yeah. So it seems like the only way you'd be even able to produce something like this is if you show a aptitude for being able to make a hit. Right. Being able to make something good. and And- I think that was the way Home Alone 1 and 2 was.
0: Well, when John Hughes wrote the script, he wrote it with Macaulay Culkin in mind. And, you know, he had worked with Macaulay Culkin on Uncle Buck with yeah. John Candy. So when he wrote um, Home Alone, he was writing it for Macaulay Culkin. That didn't stop from, according to my daily Google, <laughs> Chris Columbus from auditioning like 100 kids. But, you know. Wow. Yeah. To be one of those kids... But, you know, it's Hollywood
1: for you. It's a business. See, i tell you what. As long as they gave me a free talk boy (laughs) for doing auditions, audition, I totally would have did it.
0: Dude, I had a talk girl.
1: What? Yeah, I did. How how many tapes did you go through on that thing? It
0: it gets old fast. Not for me, Uh but for everybody around me. Because nobody wants to sit there and watch you record their conversations and play them over and play them in slow motion or do all that stuff. Nobody wants to sit for that. They get tired of it. They get bored of
1: it. Man, I just wanted to like press play after record, then hit three wine buttons so or hit a and then press play again, you know?
0: Movies make things so much more magical. And if I had somebody else to play with me, with my talk girl, then yeah. But
1: no. ah so we're talking about some childhood loneliness. <laughs>
0: Um, well, I mean, that's really
1: what Home Alone is about. I was just about to say that. So, yes, that's true.
0: And um, I think a really interesting concept is the MacGuffin.
1: Do do you know what a MacGuffin is? The only reason I know what a MacGuffin is is because we literally spoke about it when it was coming to this movie. And I saw the article talking about what a MacGuffin is.
0: Not an Egg McMuffin.
1: Oh, Oh, mom joke.
0: A MacGuffin. Um, I looked at a few sources, and I settled on No Film School. And they pretty much... Well, it came from this guy named Agnes McPhail. He was a screenwriter, but it was really...
1: Side note, a screenwriter whose last name is McPhail. That sounds tragic. Oh. But keep going, keep going. Oh,
0: wow, I didn't... Wow, dad joke. <laughs> so <laughs> in the article, it basically said a MacGuffin is a plot device that drives the narrative forward, but it isn't important to the story. And that kind of leans on Alfred Hitchcock's definition Mm -hmm. of it. He basically said it's the thing that the characters on screen worry about, but the audience doesn't care about. And so that's like the stolen money in Psycho. You remember the blonde lady stole that money and was driving and all? Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay.
0: Or the heart of the ocean necklace in Titanic. And kind of have to admit here I've never seen Titanic. I have a movie podcast, but I've never seen Titanic.
1: (sighs) Man, I... I was not a fan of that movie. I really, really didn't like it as a child, and I really, really don't like it as an adult. So I can't say you're missing anything that's worth it of any sort of...
0: (laughs) Everybody I tell that to, their jaw drops. and says, you have to watch it. And then I look at the runtime, and I'm like, "Uh, before I do that, I'll probably watch The Irishman. Oh, With Pe- Joe better. Pesky and much Scorsese.
1: Better. Much better I did.
0: <laughs> I really want to watch The Irishman. I just got to like buckle down for it. I know I can do it because I sat in the movie theater for Infinity War.
1: <laughs> so I know I can do it. <laughs> See, it. I think that would be a much better use of your time.
0: But there is a reason why I do want to watch Titanic. I read a fan theory. And I hate to say fan theories because it just diminishes the importance of it. There's a way to watch Titanic, but read it as a prequel to um, what did they say Terminator? Because basically, what they say is that James Cameron—that's his name, the director, writer, producer guy. So he, the girl, Kate Winslet's character—I believe that's the actress that plays in that movie. Yeah, she's an ancestor of John Connor. And there was Terminator that tried to drown the boat so she would die. And they were talking about all the inconsistencies because he had some stuff that didn't match the time period. There's a lot of gaffes like, why does he have this kind of camera? Why does he have this kind of thing? Or why does he talk about this? Because that didn't exist yet. So they're saying he was sent back just kind of like John Connor. I mean, John Connor's dad was, what's the guy's name? Kyle Reese. Mm -hmm. Like he was sent back to protect the lineage and that's why they always say there was room enough on the door for him to get on he couldn't get on because it was a one-way mission so i i, I legit would like to watch it with that frame in mind
1: that's hilarious to go into watching titanic and they're like
0: oh you're watching titanic because of the love story
1: and you're like no. "Nah, i'm watching it for the robot the
0: science fiction element
1: like i just imagine him being in the water it's like yeah, I'm down in this water, but just wait till Judgment Day.
0: <laughs>
1: I'll be back. You know, <laughs> that's a really different perspective yeah. to go into Titanic, but I welcome that perspective. I would definitely watch Titanic again with that in mind. But back to Home Alone One and Two.
0: So, um, George MacGuffin. Lucas' his definition of the MacGuffin is my favorite because what he makes is. The item, the plot device, the catalyst that pushes the story forward and pushes out forward, the narrative is just as important to the audience as it is to the characters. And some examples of that kind of MacGuffin is the ring in Lord of the Rings.
1: The key in Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest.
0: Yeah, I actually have one of those keys. I still have it.
1: That's crazy. That is cool.
0: Uh, the Horcruxes and Harry Potter. Okay. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant, right? Is the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. And a more modern MacGuffin would be the Infinity Stones in the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
1: Yeah. Okay, so I feel like in Home Alone 1 and 2, hands down, the MacGuffin has to be...
0: Kevin. Yeah. Depending on who you're talking about.
1: Okay, okay. What, so what do you got to say? So, the MacGuffin history?
0: is the McAllister house. And Kevin. So, if you look at the burglars they weren't worried about Kevin. They were more worried about the house because when they thought, when Kevin heard the burglars come in and he turns on the porch light, and they're like, somebody's home, and they run away. They um, come back, and Kevin throws like a fake party, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like, huh, this is weird. I thought they were going to be I thought you said they were gone. They are gone. Something fishy's going on. And then they're robbing some other house. And Peter McAllister leaves a message on the machine saying, hey, this is Peter McAllister. We're in France right now. This is the number where I'm staying at. And so then they're like, hey.
1: <laughs> I feel like the MacGuffin may have started out as a house because you're right. And I do remember when uh, Joe Pesky's character was in there as the cop really trying to figure everything. <laughs> hey. but but yes we are we gonna get to that because that that part cracked me up like as a kid it got me going like for real and it's crazy how the same laughter and humor is so infectious even it it is timeless it is timeless But we I mean, we saw how Joe Pesky's character was really trying to get this house. He, he said really,
0: it. He says that he was like something about that house. I just got to have it. And that is the irresistible desire of the MacGuffin. You
1: can't resist its charm. You, you can't. But I think somewhere in the pursuit of what they thought was the uh,
0: it was a false MacGuffin. It was a red herring MacGuffin. Yes,
1: it was. It was.
0: Oh, snap. They need a name for that.
1: The ragamuffin. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I like that. I like that. The house was the ragamuffin, a.k.a. the false MacGuffin that was covering for the real MacGuffin, which which is Kevin.
0: Yes. Okay. Hey,
1: y'all, don't get caught up on them ragamuffins. Make sure you're paying attention for the real MacGuffin.
0: Oh, um, yeah. So for the family, of course, it's Kevin. Mm -hmm. And I think the ragamuffin is trying to go on vacation. They want this perfect vacation
1: for the family. You're saying yeah. they're McGuffin.
0: They're MacGuffin. Okay. The perfect Christmas vacation.
1: All right. Uh, all right.
0: And um, for Kevin, it's that his fake MacGuffin is the house as well because he wants to protect it. But think about it. If it was really the house, why wouldn't he have called the police? Why wouldn't he have had called any adult? Why wouldn't he have found a way to get all there? So it's not really the house. That's the
1: false MacGuffin. The real MacGuffin is his autonomy. Why was I thinking the same thing? Because that, that makes sense. I really thought that it boiled down to him wanting to preserve his ability to be an independent child. Of-
0: yes. Yes. And then in Alone 2, the MacGuffins change. So for the burglars... The Foss MacGuffin, this really changes the argument. I like this ragamuffin thing. The (laughs) Foss MacGuffin is the big score, the Duncan's toy chest. They're going to rob it on New Year's Christmas Eve Mm -hmm. because the banks are closed and they have no way to deposit all that cash they got in from the Christmas Eve rush. So they're going to knock it over and get that money, which is sad for the audience because you know Kevin McAllister had a conversation with Mr. Duncan and he's like, "Uh, Mr. Duncan just wants to take all the money and give it to the hospital to donate to charity and all this stuff and he's like no that's so sad blah blah, blah. yeah so then they run into kevin the real
1: the mcguffin yep that would make sense because okay. he is in the middle of all these grown folks what they want
0: so for the family again they mm-hmm. think it's the perfect holiday they're gonna go to florida and get palm trees no it's kevin that's yeah. your real mcguffin
1: you know what I think happened? They spent all that money in the first one on that Paris trip, and they were like, we can't afford that. We're going to Florida.
0: No, because Uncle Frank was looking at the window when they were at that motel, and he was like, it didn't look this crappy on our honeymoon. So it was Uncle Frank who decided on that crappy oh, motel.
1: wow. I thought that he decided on it just because they didn't have a wallet, and he had to pay.
0: No, he, they had already probably made the reservations, because that's when Uncle Frank is like, oh, man, my bad, y'all. Ah, okay. I never thought like that. Okay. So then for the uh there's a new group of people, the concierge people, the hotel staff people. Mm-hmm. For them the MacGuffin is Kevin. And what's interesting is when Kevin's walking in the lobby and Tim Curry's character sees him, which actually I looked up his name. His name was Mr. Mr. Hector. Hector. Yes. So when Mr. Hector sees him, he's just like, hey, I got to call you back. He gets off the phone like, who is this child? You don't see children walking in the Plaza I'm sorry, the kids not go to New York?
1: I mean, I, I don't know if they be in the Plaza Hotel like that. And,
0: and, and, and Kevin looked like he knew what he was doing. He wasn't just walking around like, ooh, ah. He was like, I'm on a mission. I'm a man on a mission, and I'm going to this front desk. And I don't know, it was... The magic of the MacGuffin is just irresistible. And Tim Curry is the perfect guy to want to pursue a MacGuffin because he was just like, wait, let me look at that. You know what I'm saying? And so um, then for Kevin, Mm -hmm. his false MacGuffin, his ragamuffin is the vacation. Like his first adult vacation.
1: Okay, because he was like,
0: yeah, I'm about to enjoy myself. But it's really his autonomy to move around a big city by himself. Mm
1: -hmm. Because he conquered it at home, he beat the thieves. He threw it out there and acted like nothing happened, and then in the second one, he wanted to maintain his autonomy. When
0: he when it goes to Duncan's city. toy chest, he could have tipped off the police and said, "I have information. They're gonna rob Duncan's toy chest. You should be there."
1: And I need to give with my family.
0: No, he throws a brick through the window, takes pictures of them, antagonizes them, gets them to chase him to his his uncle's renovated house but then, but then he, he doesn't, doesn't get
1: the them car car caught at the house then he get them He caught in the beats park. them
0: up and then they chase him to the park he slips on some ice then they uh the bird lady comes and saves him and then he runs off and he had called the police on the way and says hey the kid people who robbed duncan's toy chester in the park they're gonna be here look for fireworks so you know mm-hmm. kevin loves fireworks so he's popping the fireworks off the police get him. la 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 and it's just interesting to watch that. And that is what brings me to our third thing. What makes this story compelling? And I think what makes this story compelling, there's a lot of things. But there, I, I read this article. Well, I didn't read the article. I saw the title. And that title, to me, felt like what Home Alone was. And the title said, um, Home Alone is basically a movie about how hard adulting is.
1: Oh, shoot. And
0: I was like, (laughs) what?
1: That is a very, very great idea to run with. Because looking at the first one, he goes through everybody's fresh out of college, just got the apartment stuff. He go grocery shopping. You
0: didn't go to college and you got your own apartment and you're an adult now and you're just sitting yeah, there like, no, that's true. what do I do? he literally goes
1: through all of that. He goes through all the grocery shopping. He tries to do all the stuff he saw his parents do. Because he, he, he shows the honeymoon phase
0: when you're like, I'm going to eat whatever I want. I'm going to watch you movies. <laughs> you <laughs> you don't, don't get nothing And then done. it's like, then you start like, okay, let me take a shower. And then you're like, oh man, I'm out of toothbrush. Let me go to the store. And then there's a hiccup in the store. And then you're like, okay, I got to really take this seriously. And then he goes grocery shopping. He even makes conversation with the clerk cashier.
1: Who looks at him like.
0: Phew. And he's like, wait, I have a coupon for that. So he's super like, I'm going to be trying. responsible.
1: He is really trying. Yes.
0: And then on the way home with the groceries, the bags fall through and
1: bust. Now nah, that wasn't his fault. That was not his fault. Taking it back to the movie, that woman working the counter she saw an eight-year-old kid. But, road but that's, that's an
0: amazing, it. compelling thing about Kevin's character. His character understands where he is in society. So he crafts these elaborate lies so people won't be onto to him, so he can maintain his autonomy. She's like, where's your where's your uh, mom? She's in the car.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, where's your brother and sisters? I'm an only child. Where do you live? I can't tell you that. Why? Because you're a stranger. And then she's like, ah, you got me.
1: I'll be honest. I don't know how they did this, but he's honestly, to me, Seem like a junior Axel Foley. He
0: is. Oh my goodness. I can't believe like you a said that. Axel Foley. I can't believe you said that. I wrote that in my like brain notes and I was going to bring okay. it up, but I was like, nah, that's a stretch because I'm like, yes, we'll talk about that later because okay, I okay. really want to do a podcast on Beverly Hills Cop because you know it's like my favorite movie. Like, what? What? Anyway, so he, he does the same thing with the. Um, Concierge lady right. at the hotel. When he's like, "Hey, I'm checking in for Peter McAllister. and then they're like, "You're a child." And he was like, "Come on, ma'am. I'm an eight year old. I'm a teen i I'm a little boy. You really think I'm coming here? No. My dad is in meetings. It's New York. It's the business capital. Of course, that would make sense. But I'm not allowed in the meeting room. And you know, I get into mischief. So he gave me the key, told me to get them to let me in the room. And that's some a rich person would do. Like, hey. You know, don't worry about that. Hit a credit card. Get to the room. You'll be fine. You know, you're adultifying your child and making them think they're adults. So, and the people are like, funny, mm.
1: It's funny because he plays on that fact that, hey, I know this doesn't look normal, but, hey, you guys deal with people who are busy people. It's the Plaza Hotel. You know, let me in or I'm going to mess up your your your, your, uh, your lobby because I he's like, too. I get into trouble. I get into mischief. So she was like, mm, maybe we should let him in this room. His daddy did make it. He tricked her so bad. So easy. And it was just like, because the daddy was like, how you let a little kid into a hotel? <laughs> how you let him check in with somebody else's credit card? It's like, uh oh, I don't know. I, I, I just, he's told a convincing lie. It just makes I you had look had like an the idiot. the
0: staff talking to him, all this kind of stuff. I was just like, wow, this is interesting. I wonder if it's actually like this from Macaulay Culkin when he was a kid going places and like, hey, I'm Macaulay Culkin. Oh, yes, sir. Right away, sir. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like,
1: was he like not acting that hard? Like, yeah, I go through this all the time. Yeah. Dude, I don't know. But looking back at it, when I like was looking into Macaulay Culkin's acting career when he was a child, people were like, he was like the Tom Cruise like. He was that kid.
0: It was sad though because I think he retired from acting for a bit and it was like in 98 or 90 something. Mm-hmm. I think it, I mean, I couldn't imagine the stress of being a child actor.
1: Oh, dude, no, I, I definitely couldn't. And he seemed like he handled it really, really well while he was acting.
0: And the sad part is now that I've had kids, as soon as I watch a movie with a kid in it, I think, are they taking care of that kid? Do they have good snacks at craft services? Like, is, can the mother be there? But then are they going to try to, you know, like, oh, it's okay. We're going to take care of anybody taking care of that baby. Who taking care of it? And it's ruining the movie for me.
1: <laughs> well, let's just say for the sake of Home Alone 1 and 2, Macaulay Culkin was taken good care of. And we were talking about the autonomy that he had in the first one. So the second one reminds me of just that first Holiday. Yes, it is that first adult yes, holiday. Yes, it is. And in all honesty, he had an amazing first adult holiday. He got the limousine. He had the Jeez, pizza in the pizza. limousine. He got to go to the big toy store. He got to stay at the Plaza Hotel. He got to get the mini bar. He got to get the mini fridge. He got to get the handmade Sundays. Dude Dude was not playing no games. I mean, it made me think about adulting. I was like, that is so cool that he got to adult in that way. And his first vacation was nothing compared to my first vacation. My first college vacation was horrible. It It was was really really bad. It was like. nothing compared there was no limousine i was in an old toyota corolla that was too small for five people to be in five people five people so two in the front three in the back and we were kind of lapped up anyway because it was so small and then we got chased by some dogs so we got chased by some dogs we ended up staying in a motel that had a rusty shower it had a disgusting bathroom it had a bed that looked like it had been washed maybe once in a week and it looked like it was still dusty. We heard the people next door, they were loud, they were yelling, and then they were doing other stuff, then they were yelling again, and they were doing other stuff. And in the middle of all this, we had gone out of town to go see a away game for college. We didn't even get to go to the game. And I'm not about to sit here and share a bed with four people, so I sleep in the car. Then after the dogs came and chased the people, that I came with. Somebody got mad and just went off on their roommate and then just stormed off in the middle of town. And we don't know where we are, somewhere in like Alabama or something. And it was just absolutely horrible. Wow. Yes, yes. So I was like, man, Kevin's vacation was it. It was just the stuff.
0: Wow, that is interesting. Yeah, I don't really, I never went on an adult vacation. Um, I, my first adult vacation was my honeymoon.
1: <laughs> hey, dude, that's not a bad thing, man. That is definitely not a bad thing, because at least the honeymoon is fun.
0: True. Your adult vacation was not with
1: likable people, huh? It was with people who, you know, it's it's crazy, because in college, you have friends that you like, yeah, that's my partner. You're like, yeah, that's my partner. Them, I like them. They cool. And then you actually do something serious that requires responsibility with them. And you're like, I don't know why I decided to choose you. As my mutual. (laughs) Yeah, as you should not be my mutual. I'm realizing you do not know how to handle money. You do not know how to make reservations. And you think it's a good idea to just walk off in the middle of something. That's a horrible person to choose to go on a trip with. That is why
0: Kevin was alone on his first adult vacation.
1: I should have learned from Kevin. And I should have tried to arrange something by myself.
0: Well, yeah. Not much you can say there, That that's, but that's an, a great way to think about what was your first adult vacation and
1: how bad did it go? I'd like to hear some stories on that. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I'm pretty sure some people got some crazy, hilarious stuff because when you go on your first vacation, you tend, as like in real life, you tend to make decisions like, oh, yeah, that's not going to be a problem. Oh, yeah, that's not too bad. You're going to end up in a situation like uh, <laughs> with his uncle in the second one when they went to that motel. Yes. You're going to be like, wait, I, I didn't think it would look this bad. You know, you make those mistakes.
0: But um, another thing about how what makes this story so compelling is the characterization of Kevin and how resourceful he is. Like, everything in the movie makes sense. And that, to me, his resourcefulness shows how great the causation in this movie is. Like, you remember the scene in Home Alone 2 when Marv, or no, Harry, a.k.a. Joe Pesky, mm-hmm. tries to climb the uh, ladder to oh, get... Oh, green goop. That green goop was what he bought at the Duncan's Toy Chest. Or, like, the Christmas ornaments they step on. Or that red, hot thing that heated the, the door. Mm-hmm. He got that off the barbecue thing. It, it heats up the charcoal without the smoke. You know what I'm saying? Everything he used was something he found in the house or on hand.
1: Now, that was something that was really cool about Kevin's character that goes with McAllister, I feel like, is MacGyver because he was always, always, always making great use of what was around him. And you're right. I think it made that whole idea, the causality as well, like what you were saying, how it contributes to was And it was
0: awesome. Even like the alarm clock going off. Like the, the storm hit the first night and the mm-hmm. alarm clock went off, they slept in. Or the second time when the dad unplugged it to get something and plugged it back in, didn't realize he messed up the alarm. Because today that would have been easily solved by just somebody, anybody in the house having their phone
1: charged and set an alarm. One person. That's it. And everybody would have the alarm set. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't even been a thing. And uh, <laughs> Your phone, you plug it up at night, but it's not really dead. So it would still have gone off. Yeah. It would have been very, very hard for them, Misty, the alone.
0: But even, like, the causation, like we said earlier, that, that random voicemail
1: mm-hmm.
0: and 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 them realizing, oh, that house is is uh open. Or just, like, the different little pieces of things that happen, you know. I, I really like the movie and how resourceful they make Kevin. And another thing that makes this movie, back to what you said earlier, you said we get to... Mm-hmm. How quotable these movies are!
1: Oh my goodness, they got so many quotables in these movies, dude. My my thing is, why is it that it was so hilarious to think of them like as the Wet Bandits, and then they break out of jail and become the Sticky Bandits?
0: Everything they did was funny, and they were really good at physical humor. Like it, it wasn't cheesy; it was funny. Like when he was walking up the stairs
1: and he stepped on that nail and just flew back. They could take the sound bites from him being Mark. What he was hollering about the pigeons, you know.
0: In production, I was looking at production notes. Mm-hmm. One of the pigeons flew in his mouth.
1: Wait, what? Yeah, he said it was disgusting. That sounds disgusting. I mean, a pigeon is like a subway bathroom. I would think like that. Just <laughs> that just is like really gross. People talk about like that's ill, 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 ill. Oh wow, that guy is brave. I just couldn't imagine. You would be
0: surprised at the things actors have to do to make things work. But um, another thing was interesting about making this story compelling is showing the family dysfunction. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Christmas movies don't—I'm not saying they don't tend to show dysfunction, but it shows the the magical time. You know, you get together and— it's one thing to have an Ebenezer Scrooge, but it's another thing to have your whole family be Ebenezer Scrooge.
1: That's true. That's true.
0: Cause I mean, I, I, I'm just like looking at this. Like, how you forget a whole child twice?
1: That was really, I really it off-putting for me. Because and
0: Kevin had Buzz, Megan, Lenny, and Jeff. He had four siblings. You can't keep up with five
1: kids. That that honestly was really crazy to me. One, I didn't even realize he had four siblings till I rewatched the movie as an adult. Um, I thought it, it was just Buzz
0: and and, and one girl, or yeah. I thought it was just Buzz and he had. They had a whole bunch of cousins I over. Thought,
1: I I literally thought Buzz was the only sibling, and I think that's because you just well, don't really see. Well, that goes
0: into the re- critique. Yeah. Our last bit, the critique, the critique I'll have. This.
1: But before we get to the critique, can we talk more about? That show of family, how the whole family is a Scrooge and how they forgot.
0: Yeah, yeah. it was weird. I was just, it. well, it's it's still a movie. Mm. So some stuff is still going to be far-fetched. You know, I've talked to a lot of adults and they have hilarious stories about places they've left their kids. And I remember I was talking to my mom the other day. And I say the other day, but it's probably a few months ago. And she was talking about, like, I hated going shopping with you when you got in certain moods. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? When I was hungry and this things? She's like, no, when you got mischievous because you would like to run away from me and disappear and hide in clothing racks. And I was like, what?
1: What kind of gremlin were you as a child? What is that?
0: But then I remember because I love playing in the clothing racks. And I would try to jump out and scare her. And she was just like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> oh, no. I, used to hear, I remember hearing her yell for me in the store. And I am just like, I'm not going to say anything. I was bad.
1: Oh, wow, dude. That is some messed up stuff.
0: So, yeah. I remember one time we were at the mall. And um, the, the the doors were closing on the elevator. And my dad turned around and realized I was still on the elevator. And I was like... Ah! <laughs> so, <laughs> my dad I don't know how fast he ran <laughs> But he got there To the top, <laughs> by the top But the doors
1: open He was there <laughs> Oh dude that is hilarious To just turn around And see your kid The door closing They don't think To try to run Or put their arm Through the door They just
0: I was like, really, I had some messed up stuff. And I was kid. get another side note story. We were at the pool, and I was in my little donut, you know, how you just swim in a donut. And there was this little mm-hmm. boy just doing laps, and he was my age. And I was like, I could do that, because I was competitive as a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I slithered through my donut, and I looked up, and I realized I couldn't get to the surface. You know? <laughs> so you just suck. So I suck. And then I tried to get up, and I was like, Dad. Hey, hey.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: threw my dad diving here like olympic diver stuff.
1: wow like, getting me dude yeah. no see okay i don't have any stories like that so earlier how i told the story of my first horrible adult vacation yeah you didn't have one i don't have any fun stories of me as a kid i was the boring um well-behaved kid i i didn't do anything crazy
0: yeah i i uh so, I can understand getting lost, but it was still back in the day. It was the 90s. You left your kid in the car and went grocery shopping. You know that's,
1: no, that's true. That's true. We also sat in the car without car seats.
0: No, I didn't have a car seat when I, after about two. two. No car seat. Three. Yeah, no car seat. No.
1: And, and see, that's another thing that was really interesting, though, about the aspect of getting lost. For you to get lost, it was something that you normally did. It wasn't so much your family just leaving you someplace. Because for me, any time that I got lost, it was from me trying to step away from my parents on purpose. So it was really weird to see his family forget him. It was also really weird to see the stuff that his mother told him.
0: Yeah, um, his mother was like... His mother was like... um, Kevin said in the first one, everybody in this family hates me. And she says, well, maybe you should ask Santa for a new family. And I thought to myself, why would you enter that into the realm of possibility for a child to think
1: of? And you already know Kevin different. This boy's a black sheep. He don't really fit in with nobody. He seems to want to be by himself, do his own thing. He's very cynical as a child, but most children are cynical. I saw I some people saying that Kevin was a, uh, a sociopath. He was not. He's just a normal eight-year-old that don't really fit in all the way. Cause no. He's trying to do his own thing. He got an older brother that is the macho man. He has all the posters in his room. He got a tarantula. His hair is spiked out. He is that cool jock-type prototype kid Mm -hmm. and kevin is just not that he's a thinker he's a planner yeah he's an observer so he doesn't really fit in then with his family they don't seem to really like the way he does anything no the whole family came over now i would have a problem if i'm about to pay your way on a ticket to paris we're about to be in paris you better respect my son look what you did you little jerk oh um, yeah when he said that to kevin (laughs) went
0: no, yeah, I wouldn't have let my brother oh, nah, say I anything that, to my
1: child. I, that would have been the perfect I would have been like, how are you
0: going to pick on He was a little baby. You don't. if you want to correct his baby, you correct his baby, but you don't come at him like you equals with him. Look what you did. No, 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 no. no I, that movie would have ended real quick if it was just a
1: movie. It would have been a wonderful movie from First Century Fox about a family of seven. What happened to the rest? They went home. and then it was just like (laughs) they would have been
0: gone then we went to vacation went to Paris we
1: spent the extra money on croissants and chocolates and views of the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre
0: and then Kevin threw up eating an escargot and it was just that's it yeah and then they
1: went home that would have been it no way that cheapskate uncle would have been able to talk to my son like that Uh uh-uh nah man you go ahead go back home you can go back you can go to that creepy motel that you sent the whole family to in the second movie
0: no 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 but yeah what well, that was the critique i had that was one critique i had before we wrapped this up we should have seen more of kevin's siblings
1: i agree that is
0: i i literally forget or not literally i legit forget like who he was related to unless i close watch the movie mhm and um There was one big critique I have from Home Alone 1,
1: and it's something that's bothered me for years. Now, before you get to that, the one thing I want to say about his siblings is that it was very weird for me to see that his siblings, it seemed like in the first movie, they only had maybe like two or three lines Mm -hmm. outside of Buzz's character. Mm -hmm. And there were a lot of shots shown with them just being quiet, but looking at each other or looking around. And we didn't really get to see them express the way they felt about Kevin or the way they felt about Kevin in his absence. There was
0: one scene with the sister that was like, oh, Kevin's so poor and helpless. And Buzz was like, no, he's a problem. And he, da, 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 da. he's basically, you know, defending the fact that Kevin is alone, which is another critique of mine. What did Kevin do so much to hate, make his family hate him? Can we get a little backstory? What did he do? Did he set the living room rug on fire? It, it that was a call back to Back to the Future.
1: <laughs> it seems like the only thing Kevin did was think. Yeah, I mean that's really it. Seemed like he was just real different, and that seemed like that was his crime against his family. He was different.
0: And um, my ultimate critique of Home Alone that has bothered me for years. Why did they not let us watch that boy eat that macaroni and cheese? Uh-uh. <laughs> it was unfair. As soon as he sat down and he, he said his little thingy thing and prayer or whatever, and said his grace over his food, and he sat down, and I was like, "Bet he' about to eat this food." Then the clock dings, and he's like, "I have to protect this." Like, what? I watched him buy the macaroni and cheese at the store. He had the coupon, and he asked if the TV dinner should He got this. I I need this.
1: He said the mac and cheese. The macaroni and cheese. (laughs) That's an interesting one. (laughs) That's really interesting. I did not expect for you to say that. The macaroni
0: and cheese.
1: (laughs) Wow. That that threw (laughs) out. I don't know what to say
0: to that. If you have nothing else to say, that's a good way to calm it down and end the podcast because... It was fun talking Home Alone because it's such a classic movie. And there was one thing I forgot to mention. Angels with Filthy Souls was not a real movie.
1: Oh. no! It's a movie within a movie. No, that's a real movie. No. No way. Dude, that's so crazy. As a, as a kid, I was like, I wonder if I'm going to see that movie right And, and I I'm want to sure watch that movie so
0: bad. <laughs> it is not a real movie. You
1: filthy animal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, they, uh, the way that he got that effect he studied the movies of that time yeah. and it was a carbon arc lighting system used in the 40s and 60s and what's interesting is the cinematographer of the film insisted that they use that little carbon char- piece of charcoal that they put in the lamps that gives yeah. that warm light feel they used it on the whole Home Alone movie. So that's what gives it that rich, warm, holiday, old-timey movie
1: no, that, feel. No, that is honestly really cool that they did that. Because I remember watching that movie and we didn't have a fireplace that we always used. Yeah. But when you watch that movie, if the room was warm, it felt like it was being warmed by fire. Because I literally remember any time they were inside a place, it had that warm look to where it felt warm and that that honestly I think is a real big up like a like a good job well done for the folks who really did that because you felt it and I remember as a kid feeling that and even as an adult going back and watching it again I still felt that sense of warmth so that's actually really cool
0: yeah and another thing before we go Kevin's room service bill was $967 in the second movie he had Two chocolate cakes, six chocolate mousses with chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry ice cream topped with M&M's, chocolate sprinkles, cherries, nuts, marshmallows, caramel syrup, chocolate syrup, strawberry syrup, whipped cream, and bananas. He had six custard flans, 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 a pastry cart, eight strawberry tarts, and 36 chocolate-covered strawberries.
1: 967 that's a whole lot of money. But... After you said he had a whole pastry cart. Yeah. I don't really know what a pastry cart entails. Right. So, <laughs> that's, but that's a lot of food. But at the same time, I know his daddy better dispute that on that credit card. Because how are you going to let them do the? Because, you know, they couldn't swipe back then. They had to put the credit card on the little imprint. And
0: <laughs> I knew one day I was going to be having my credit card and I was going to say, hey, excuse me. Let me do it myself. Because I wanted to swipe that thing, you know, mm. back in the day, watching my parents swipe the credit cards. I was like, yes, I'm going to do that
1: one day. I got to do that once. What? I got to do that what? once. Yes, I was at work, and um, I was working retail at the time. The machines went down. Somehow it was like a company-wide thing. The machines were dead. And we were like, how are we going to take payment? How are we going to do this? We can't even really get change from the registers like that, and, and have it work really well. They're like, "Man, go ahead and get the get the thing. Go ahead, go up on the top of the file cabinet and get that. I'm like, get what? I pull this stuff out. I don't even know what it is. It looked like an abacus with some ink and some imprint <laughs> paper. I'm like, what is this? I and they're like, it's an old credit card, you know, thing I use for credit cards. And I was like, okay, what? So you put it on there and you, oh, and it makes an imprint, and you fill out a receipt. I was like, wait, what? And so I got to do it a few times. And I was like, dude, you know how in commercials they talk about people tripping if they pay cash because everybody's just doing that contactless card payment mm-hmm, of the swipe. Mm-hmm. Back then, if you did not pay cash, I would have been highly upset with you <laughs> because I got to get this whole thing that's like oh, oh, it's literally like a scale. Like if you ever been in chemistry, it's like a chemistry scale. You pull the thing out. It's heavy. It smells like metal and ink and you got to get there and you got to <laughs> alright here's your copy here's my copy let me fill out your receipt what's your address spell your name for me last name did you say T did you say D you said T as in talk Oh, or D as in as in doll okay T as in tall or D as in doll okay D okay alright I got you here you go and it's like mm. it's, it's really cool to do the first time but after that it's cumbersome Oh. but that's that's just what I had to say about the whole school payments. But at the same time, his daddy better get that money back, because if they let this kid get up in this hotel, that's on them that they let him get Garcon over there to make him a handmaid son. You're, you, you're saying we're going to get a lawyer and we're going to dispute this. Some, some. I'm not about to pay no nine sixty seven dollars for some little boy to eat some some chocolates and some cakes.
0: And it, it. I mean, they can't because it wasn't an authorized transaction. It was a child.
1: Yeah, no, nah, that's true. That's on. There. I mean,
0: that's that's easily disputable.
1: But yeah, at least I would think so.
0: But yes, this was fun. I look forward to the next
1: uh, holiday
0: theme episode or holiday movie theme episode.
1: Oh man, you know it's coming. You know it's coming, and my favorite one. I'm not even gonna say what it is, but my favorite one. I know what it one, is. I know what it is. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, we we about we about that action. We about to get it Unless going. We
0: should wait and do that one after. The next one then. Do something different and then do your favorite.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay.
0: Well, that is that.